It's the Ty and Matt Show with Matt and Ty. And we're back. Oh boy, we're doing it again. We're just the do it again kids at this point. Like the do every, it again, the comeback kids. Yeah, you know, every two weeks, give or take a week, we come back with a vengeance, Un- unsolicited, but needed. I would, I think we're needed. I think so. I had a friend contact me, and he was upset we didn't release an episode on Memorial Day. Well. I mean, I, I, what, I would what better way to me. remember the troops? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would crack it open a good can of Ty and Matt. Yeah, hey guys, Ty and Matt. This, you know, what would make this barbecue better? Some hot commentary on meaningless things in the zeitgeist. That's right. Some hot pod. Some hot pod. Yeah. I I feel like I'm the only like I know a, there's a ton of people that listen to podcasts. Obviously, just a few. But in my circle, immediate, it would seem like it doesn't like, uh, like my roommates don't listen to podcasts at all. And like, if it ever comes on in the car, it, it's almost like I'm like torturing them. Yeah, it, it's, it's like anything else. Thanks to the internet. Like you hear, like you think everyone listens to podcasts because you listen to them. Yeah. You know, and you frequent pages and like Twitter accounts and stuff that are podcast adjacent. So you're like, oh, well, everyone does this. And then you find everyone out, wait a minute, it. no, no, they don't. I mean, I, enough people do that Spotify will hand out $100 million uh, contracts. But uh, it's still kind of a... It's very in niche. A way, yeah, still. It, fe- it feels like what like weed was in the 60s where it was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to talk about it in public too much. But like we're having like a dinner party, you know, like the husband breaks it out. He's like, hey, do you guys want to smoke some marijuana? Yeah. You know what? Th- that's do not you guys want to listen to some Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, it was like, oh, podcasting. Like, oh, what is it? like a g- perfect example is radio. People used to scoff at the idea of podcasting yeah. like that was embarrassing if you had to go that route. And now it is clobbering. Yeah. Radio, well, I mean, radio, radio, radio stations now make. You know, they record it for pod podcasts, don't they now? Like, it's live, and then they also put it on, like, a podcast feed. Well, I can tell you this, Ty. I, uh, I made a guest appearance on a radio show this past week. Oh, boy. So you so, got some, like, inside baseball. That's right. So I, uh, yeah, I wrote a little article about the uh, space mission that went off so far without a hitch. Uh, they're up at the International Space Station right now, SpaceX. Their Dragon capsule. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote an article about that and how, uh, you know, it might bring back, you know, the public interest in, uh, space exploration. Can, can I be honest? I want, yes. I know it's real. Like, let me just say, I know, when, <laughs> it, of course, of course, of course it's real. Kubrick's dead. It's not like he filmed it. So all I'm, all I'm just saying is like, there was a moment cause I watched it and it was very beautiful. You know, I thought it was super incredible, but there's this part where they have a drone ship going out to the ocean. And I, I think a lot of people know what I'm talking about. If you watched it, it's they let go of this thing on the ship to get through um, science, I don't know, or the orbit or something. Um, and this thing drops down. It's supposed to land on this drone ship. Yeah. But as it's coming down, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I guess we lost the feed. <laughs> And then 20 seconds later, they're like, oh, it's back up, and it's right there. No smoke, nothing. It's just there. That's true. 
Um, I will say I did see like and one- a fucking drone shit. So it's like, yeah, no human saw it land, but it did. Yeah. Well, I, that's a that's a great point. Um, I I do know that when they tested that, I remember seeing it like they had the actual footage of it landing. Um, I hope. Or so they to, said. Put, yeah, put that in the episode files because. I don't know. Like I saw that, and I was, I was like, you know, I hate that that had to happen. Because, like, like in my heart, I totally believe it. But there's always going to be that part of my brain that's like, yeah, but really, that's where the food cuts e- out. Even I, like, I like that kind of thing. I grew up going to like, my family would go to a lot of like different aerospace museums. We always were doing that. Thought it was cool. And even I, in the back of my head, I'm like, could they affect it? Could they have? I mean, they could they have? Absolutely, you you could fake it. Well, I mean, but, it's like a two thousand five camcorder look to the ship, and then like the astronauts are like, "Oh, look at the screens," and I'm like, "Any what the fuck? What are they hitting? It looks yeah. like no buttons are being hit. It looks like they're just tapping a screen." I wanted to see like th- th- they accidentally cut to their camera and they're just playing Angry Birds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Words so with friends. That's right. So I uh, I wrote about that ahead of uh, the launch and uh, got asked to hop on. uh, It's called The Blitz on ESPN 97.5 in Houston, Texas. They were very nice. It was a good time. Just called in and chatted for a couple minutes. But uh, long story longer, uh, they released that radio program in like chunks. Each hour is a a podcast on its own. Yeah. So they wow. do like each show is three podcasts. So you can listen one to hour one, hour two, hour three. So it is like designed to be, you know, a podcast. It was a long way to get to that. Yeah. No. But you were right. Yeah. I I know. It's just, I know, I, I know, you know, just like the SpaceX thing. Like I know people are listening to, like we have listeners. People listen to this one. Unbelievably. I don't know why. What are you doing? There's real things going on you should be doing Please go talk to your family again. Yeah. Um, we're your family now. Yeah, we're your family now. Um, we, yeah, we, if you uh, subscribe to our Patreon, uh, the subscription fee is a blood oath. Mm-hmm. What happened to blood oaths? Those aren't really happening Aid, anymore. I can tell you exactly what happened. AIDS happened to blood oaths. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You are right, because like, in the 80s, you never see a good blood oath. No. But like um, when you you read about it all the time, like in the fifties and sixties with like yeah, weird don't, cults, I think, didn't they do that in uh, the was it the Outsiders? Uh, pony yeah, they, they all cut. Yeah, they all cut their hands with like a switchblade. Yeah, and that's pony that came boy. out. Yeah, I think that came out in like the early eighties, but it's set in the fifties. Yeah, well, yeah, because it, well, it's you know, it's a, it's a greasers, you know, leather jackets. Yeah, what a simple time to be alive, where it was like I just hate you because. You have your family has more money than me, and I'm just angry, but I can somehow afford a lot of pomade. Yes, I always loved the whole notion of, hey, he's from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, and that was enough to hate someone. It was like geographically, this arbitrarily built railroad was, uh, you know, <laughs> separated the town into two warring factions. Hey, let's go kick out some fucking townies. All oh, those I, north they, side they had- bastards. Yeah, it's yeah. What a weird time. The fifties. It was what the the preps, the the greasers, uh, townies. Yeah. Whatever what, else. What is it in the in the aforementioned uh, 
outsiders they called them socias i believe socias yeah i had to read that in high school i might be making that up but i thought thought that was so cool and now it's like we all look back at that and they're like a greaser would be a fucking nerd today Oh, absolutely, dude! Fon- Ever I could kick Fonzie's ass. Yeah, dude, fuck so Fonzie. easily. No, well, not. I mean, Fon- Henry Winkler, nicest man in show. Yeah, no, I, he's time. a yeah a- angel he's sit a from God gentleman. Yeah. But uh, yeah, ser- seriously, Fonzie, not the toughest greaser. Yeah, Pony um, Boy is kind and like they're all kind of like in what was it called again? Uh, what, what the outside? Yeah, yeah, the outsiders. Yeah, all of them are fucking losers. Dude, I I think we you may be onto something because I mean I'm now thinking of John Travolta in Greece. Yeah, dude. If you saw if you he, saw the, that guy today, you'd punch him in the face. When you see him prancing around a car, like how, I I thought I was supposed to be threatened by greasers. I thought they were like tough, the, the precursors to like Hell's Angels. Yeah, and <laughs> and then no, not a chance. No, because the Hell's Angels now. Well, right. you respect them. Yeah, well, you have to go undercover just to yeah. like figure that whole situation out. Greasers, I mean, I feel like if you just had the leather jacket, that shitty slicked back haircut, and like you, you kind of knew how to work on a car. Yeah, you're just in. They're like, oh yeah, you're you're one of us. Yeah, it, it basically, I don't even know if you had to know how to actually fix the car. You could just pop open the hood, take a drag from your cigarette, and then just go. It's the alternator. And then that was the end. Like you just had to call out a, a part of the car, but but make sure you call out the right thing because don't don't like look under the hood and then go, oh no, though there's a flat tire. Well, because then they'll know you don't know about cars. Yeah, and then they're like, you're not one of us. Get no. out of here. No. I I I think that still happens today. I I remember uh, like breaking down in Orlando one time, and in tears. Like, well. <laughs> I mean, recently, yeah, the traffic there is so fucking terrible. But no, literally breaking down because my like Jeep was. A, this is like I'm just driving, and then just smoke gushes out from under the hood. Oh, I'm like, well, God. that's bad. Got to pull over. Um, I, I wish it was I was that cool and collected at the time. Instead, you're just like panicking, where it's like my car is going to literally explode. Yeah. Um, and I pull over, and it's like just gushing. Uh, antifreeze just coolant going everywhere and some guy just walks up and he goes like i don't know could be the oil and i'm like <laughs> literally what what the fuck <laughs> it's like clear as day coolant and like i just love it because he just came up with so much confidence and then on top of that i think he like tagged it with oh shouldn't be doing that yeah 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 exactly i love that uh something's wrong something is amiss oh yeah every that guy vehicle. that doesn't know what's wrong with a car always says that I even say, I can't even like pretend I don't do it. When someone like asks me like, yeah, so, uh, you know, my car's starting to do this. And I'm always like, huh. Yeah, something's definitely wrong. Yeah. You know, people, gender roles is a, is a dirty word these days. But one thing you do have to do as a man, if there is a problem with a car, you have to at least say a car word. Yeah, you just you have, have to, to suggest something. Do you think it, it, it could be uh, the, the rear differential? That's like probably not because the problem is clearly in the front. Yeah, but you Definitely mentioned the car part, so that's good. Exactly. <laughs> Same goes for grill. If if you're there and someone's grilling, you, you have to be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Don't press on the burgers. You, yeah, you don't want the juices. Yeah, you, don't want, yeah, you don't want the juices to get out. No, I know it's fun to make them go, but that's not <laughs> that's not how you get a good burger. 
that what what oh audio jesus every guy is like the fucking audio technician whenever you're trying to figure out that problem and they're like no 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 no. your problem is is a tweaker the tweak it's 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 not it's too much sibilance in the tweaker and you're like you're just saying words right now. yeah i know you are yeah i always felt that way too if there was a any problem that could be solved with a winch if you just say ah oh, yeah i a guess winch. we get like a winch and like just throw that out ah <sighs> maybe maybe a set of allen keys Huh. Yeah, what kind of screw? What kind of screwdriver are we gonna Phillips? <laughs> you know, that's that's, that's basically basically here's what we can teach you on the timeout. We can't teach you to actually be a man, but we can teach you ways to make people think you are. Yeah, we we have this uh, at Weather Channel. We we have this like techno crane, mm-hmm. and it, it's such a nightmare to put back. Like you need literal tools to bring it out, set it up. And then take it all apart and put it back. And the part that always throws me for a loop, and it's so embarrassing because, like, all the guys that work on like a crew in TV and film, they're all very like blue collar, muscly men. And then it's my just, you know, newborn tree looking ass pretending like I know <laughs> what I'm doing. And the part that always throws me for the loop is the ratchet strap. And I'm too embarrassed to admit I don't know how they actually function. Like on a functional level, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's just always me kind of like pretending until so uh, while someone helps me. And I'm like always the guy that's like, oh, I'll just clip it to the bottom. Don't worry. I'll get it clipped to the bottom. You, you handle the ratchet part. Yeah, I got this. I got this. I don't know how long I can... Mind you, this is like a multi-million dollar piece of equipment, and someday <laughs> they, they expect me to do it by myself, and I'm guaranteed going to fuck it up. Oh, God. And I will just play it off. They're going to be like, what happened to the techno crane? I'm going to be like, I don't know. I truly don't. Well, if you if you, if you you learn that one... Because that's the thing. I think you just got to have like a couple skills in your back pocket. That's a good one to have if you can do that. That way, if they're like, does anyone know how to work, like put away the techno crane, you can like raise your hand. Um, when we were talking about cars, changing flat tires is another one of those things. Yeah. Uh, my dad, my dad taught me that when I was like 14, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> he's so like, important. seriously, it, it, it came in, ha- I got a flat tire at Disney world one time. It came in handy. These are tie and mat tips. Okay. Here's yeah. what you need to do. You got to learn how to change a flat tire. Uh huh. Put away a techno crane. Yeah. And call bullshit. On a shuttle launch, I I see where the last one could be kind of like, well, where would that come in handy? But let's say you're in an elevator, right? And someone just comes in and you got to make small talk. Who's more interesting, the guy that's like, huh, the weather, or the guy that's like, yeah, SpaceX, that was cool. But did you notice that the feed cut out right when the engine part came down to land on the drone ship? I like the the only thing I'll say about that is that that's the part they would fake. Yeah, everything else. Was, no, no, no. Let me be crystal clear. Everything else was real. Yeah, they are one hundred percent at the International Space Station. But I think no science or physics could explain how that engine got down. And they knew they were like, I don't know where it actually goes. We let it go. We have no idea. But people are going to wonder. We need to like sell this thing. See, stuff like that because the way it lands allegedly is like straight back. To, like almost like if you played the rocket launch in reverse. Like that's how it comes back. And lands vertically. Like, I can't figure that. I know it has to do with like rocket boosters firing at specific times, but I have no clue how exactly that works. Um, And I kind of don't want to know. I like when it's sort of like a mystery magic. Yeah. So let the smart folks do it. Yeah. Like, the stuff that they think of, 
like I, I was just watching them uh, docking to the International Space Station, and they were reading off like what they what supplies they had used on the way up. So the the one astronaut was like listing. He's like, all right, we had a lunch, uh, a dinner, uh, bottles of water from this bag. I don't know if they were like trying to calculate the weight or what. I was just like, this is amazing. No, How just, this bag has my name on it. So yeah. these are my water bottles. This brown paper brown paper bag with my name on it. No, Doug, you can't have any of my water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Houston, uh, Doug's trying to take my water bottle. Please tell him to knock it off. <laughs> Guys, if we, if we have to come up there, you know, there's going to be problems. I can't wait till we start getting like astronaut TikTok videos. Oh. This is Bob and Doug, like, but it's like them in zero G, and they have like a million <laughs> likes, and they already have like six hundred thousand followers. They, they, they're all about that TikTok life. When they come back, they move into one of those weird houses with like <laughs> a bunch of twenty-year-olds that just make TikToks all day. Yeah, Bob and Doug are gonna come back, live in a TikTok mansion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the words, the word TikTok mansion. The word TikTok. It, it just makes no. me hope an asteroid hits the Earth. Like the fact that that's a thing. That like if you say TikTok match and people go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that I make TikToks because it's like I don't know how to. There's just I know we've talked about it. I I hate this episode it's, already. Officially, we've ta- time at TikTok sode. Yeah, TikTok sode. Um, I just don't know how to like come out to my dad and tell him I'm making <laughs> TikToks. Dad, um, and he you go. Uh, I make TikToks. I know, son. I've known for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I used to experiment with TikToking back, <laughs> back in my in day. College. <laughs> and it's that, like, back in college. Back then, TikToking made, made, meant making clocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's where you got naked with your guy friends and you made clocks. <laughs> it's like, no, Dad, that's gay. Yeah. At least, yeah, making clocks. <laughs> it's, it's not the nakedness. Making that, clocks with your cocks. Yeah, it's like, with- come on, making clocks is gay. Now, being naked with a bunch of dudes, that's... That's whatever, but come on, making clocks. Yeah, that was TikToking in the 80s. That's another one I can't... How the hell did they make clocks back in like the 1700s? Do you even think space wants us? Like, Like, they're just like, please... Stay down there. You know, I, we're so we're, we're you know that like the International Space Station is barely in space. It's like two hundred fifty miles above the surface. Yeah. So, like, when you compare that to how far the Moon is from Earth, it's not very far. And then when you consider how far the Moon to Earth is compared to Earth to the next planet, like if you just keep putting it in that perspective, it's like. Really, we still are keeping to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're we're never getting off this rock. No, no, no. You know, I hear, I, I hear here it's the third rock from the sun. Hey, yeah. hey. Do you think we get Bob and Doug on? Mackenzie? No. Well, who, wait, who's Bob and Doug Mackenzie? Oh, it was from SCTV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't make niche references right I'm now. Sorry. No, right, I'm sorry. No, I'm. I have to cut all of this out so I don't look like a fucking idiot. Well, to I. Our fans. Th- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I think if we, because they're on Instagram, by the way. Are they? Are they on TikTok? 
Not yet. They have to. God, they probably it. are. I hate that I keep going back to it, yeah. but I'm like, they would clean up. I want to talk to them. I'd be like, look, I, one of you have to do it because you know you would just clear house on TikTok. Oh, they would just do every challenge. Like they'd be pointing at stuff, but they'd be upside down. Yeah. In floating. Um, yeah, you know, we could potentially slip into their DMs and be like, hey, we had uh, Phil Collins on. And they'll we, be like, we've ah. had Phil Collins on. Yeah. And, and then we, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're talking to someone in space. Yeah, we're talking to Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug. Can, can, and like, then, here'd be my, if I go in my backyard and wave, can can you see me? And they'll be like, no. Oh. Okay. That was all, that was the only question I had for Bob and Doug. <laughs> you, hey, uh, Bob, you can you look out your window? I'm actually shining a flashlight at the sky. Yeah. Can you see that? It's like no guy. Like every question is just us trying to be seen. <laughs> yeah, right. I let go of a balloon and it's floating up there right now. Can you see that? I have a mirror. I'm trying to reflect the sun. Can you see it? <laughs> and they're like, "No, wait. Actually, no, we can." Oh, I have a cool. very tall top hat on. Can you see? It? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. Time Matt goes to space. We got to do it. I want to do that episode. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna do it. Well, well we I, I know how commercial Wait, space oh. flight. That's the whole point of yeah. this. If we've enough bread, if we get one of those hundred million dollar Joe Rogan Spotify contracts, we are going. I know, I need you people to fucking care about this podcast because we have big dreams, and we need you guys to follow through. You know, you need to like, share, subscribe. Share like force your friends to listen to this. Do you know what would be the greatest space podcast? Ty and Matt space podcast is we do the entire show in space, but never like just talk about TikTok from space. Like never. Yeah. Don't even. Like, yeah, there's no reason that the show had to be in space. Yeah. <laughs> We're just we floating just, around. We bring like, one of our college friends on. We're like, yeah, yeah. And our, our guest is uh, what was your name? This is uh, Rebecca from English 101. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah, you. Uh, if I remember, Rebecca, you wrote about uh, discourse communities. She's like, no, I didn't. Oh, this I has just, been the Ty and Matt Space Podcast. Thanks for joining. <laughs> the Ty and Matt Space Cast. Space Cast. And we're like so heavily in debt from just having to pay Elon Musk to send us into space. Yeah. <laughs> and we just blow it. Yeah, and then when you're up there, I bet when you go to the International Space Station, you just, it's not like you're on vacation. They start making you take readings and doing like experiments and stuff. And so like, I just wanted to hang by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I, do we have to do this right now? I just, I was hoping to get a tan. And... There's no, wait, wait, wait. There's no bar up here? <laughs> oh my God. Fucking A. And, and t- we can't go down for three more months. We're just stuck. <laughs> yeah, we're just. The one oh Russian cosmonaut won't leave us alone. He always yeah. wants to talk. It's like, shut up, Igor. <laughs> when does the sun go down? Oh, in space, it never go down. <laughs> shut <Never>. up, Igor. <laughs> <laughs> there's always there's always a guy named Igor up on the space station yeah. at all times. He time. hasn't left in like decades. If he wants to, well, yeah, and if he wants to go down, he he must be replaced by another Igor. That's part of the the agreement between all nations. That are you know involved with the International <laughs> Space Station. It, Ru- Russia insisted on it. All the other countries were like, "Really? Do we need this subsection forty-two A, the Igor provision? Do we need this? Duh. 
Da. And from then on, <laughs> it, we, there's always been an Igor. Oh my! I we got to work on this. I can everyone send this episode to Elon. I know I've had. I always do these weird <laughs> call to actions. I always, no one ever does it. I'm so mad. We need real fans. You fucking people listen to this and you don't do my call to action. What's the point of a podcast if I can't get people to do shit I'm not going to do? Yeah. I feel like a podcast is the shortest distance between point A and point B because it takes... It's just me talking into a microphone, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just asking for people to do your bidding. I don't think it's too much to ask. Share this to Elon Musk, please. DM him this episode. Tweet, tweet it at him. He answers people. I just saw someone today was like, hey, any chance you're going to make jackets that look like the spacesuits? And he was like, probably. That was the extent <laughs> of it. <laughs> But he answered. I love that's what people are concerned about. We fucking, it's the first time in like years we've just put Americans into space. They're like, hey, is there going to be a gift shop attached to this? Although I got to say, I do like that he even took the time to answer that question. He just, his company made this giant technological leap. They, they hadn't even docked to the space station yet. And he's answering merch questions. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> That's just, I mean, I feel like that's the most American thing. You're just, it's either where's the food court and where's the gift shop. That's right. That's right. I, that's like, what, I love that whole thing about Disney World too. Like the exit through the gift shop ideology every yeah. time. It's like, you hey. see everything. Yeah. You, <laughs> the Tower of Terror is pretty badass, right? How about a t-shirt? How about a snow globe? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Things I don't need or want, but hey, I was just on that ride. I like that's what, I have to get it. I was just on that. Every time I shake the snow globe, I'm going to think of a better time. That's right. Uh, yeah, I'll think of a time I was far, far happier. I don't, you know what fucking makes me mad? What's that? I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to get fired up now. You oh, can, no. You can, it's that part of the episode where I'm getting too into it, but I hate that people can be such diehard, you know, there's a cult with Disney. Yeah. I think we oh, all yeah. know that. There's such fucking diehard fanatics about Disney and they won't even share this fucking episode with Elon Musk. What the fuck? I know, I know. We do this for free. What if we said if someone can send the podcast to Elon Musk and he answers us and lets us go to space, a heavily discounted spa- rate to space, we will buy you a one-day ticket to the Disney park of your choosing in North America. Uh, yeah, North And America. it's only one day, not a park hopper. Um if you do that um, for us, we you know, you scratch our backs, we scratch yours. Yeah. I think that's fair. Is this like, is this going to be them like getting, like getting us on the ship? Wait, hold on. What, what the, are they just, well, I are mean, they just messaging Elon Musk? They, they, no, they message Elon Musk. He answers and then allows us to go on the next dragon capsule. Okay, okay. For, for you like, made me nervous. I thought it was just like I was like, I'm not dropping. No, 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 no. 140 no. bucks, you know, for fucking, no. you know, Joe fucking schmo. To no, go it's to not Disney. that okay. easy. It's not that easy. Yeah, you got to get Elon Musk to agree. <laughs> to agree, and, and it's after we get back from space you get yes. the tickets. Actually, how about? Um, do you think they let you take iPads up there? I mean, what a weird thing to not like. Yeah, <laughs> like you're going to space, everything out. They're like, actually, iPads literally will make the ship all right functional. <laughs> time, man, it's T minus. Oh, wait, hold on. Time, man, it's T minus thirty seconds to liftoff. 
Um, yeah. Can, uh... Any chance anyone can bring me an iPad before we lift up? Like, I forgot. It's sitting next to the toilet. I forgot to bring it before we before we left. Over. Uh, T minus 10 seconds. No, there is not time to bring the iPad. And that's gross to leave it by the toilet anyway. Enjoy your trip up to the International Space Station. That's probably how, how it would go down. I love how it's a Richard Jewell impression for NASA. <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of are... They all kind can of got please, that. Going. Can you please, in that in that voice, say that you found a bomb in Centennial Park? I found a bomb in Centennial Park. <laughs> I didn't see that movie. Oh my god! It sounds just like him. Oh, does it? Oh my god! Yes, you gotta. I mean, there's really. It's fine. It's a fine. It's it's good. You know, it's like a typical Hollywood where it's like, yeah. And then he stuck it to the man, and everyone was happy until he died of heart disease. Oh. They, and they literally end it that way. It's just really? kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then in 2014, he died of heart disease. And it's like, wow, okay. Do, do you know what movie I tried to watch the other day? And I could not get through it. What? Uncut Gems. You know, I, did I watched... You like didn't like it? it? I haven't Dude, seen it. I, I, I'll, I'll try and keep watching it. Adam Sandler. People were like, he got snubbed. I don't think... People can't see this. I'm, I'm shaking my head. Wildly, I don't yeah, think I he can got verify snubbed. he's shaking his head now. Yeah, I don't think he was. I don't think he's very good. I saw their first, not the first, but I saw one, the one with Robert Pattinson where he like robs a bank with his like mentally disabled brother, and it goes so fucking off the. I like that, but I I don't know. I was kind of nervous about Uncut Gems, thinking like it might Dude, be. It, Maybe I expected too much, but like Sandler's character is like so over the top. Like I, sometimes I think with movies, people mistake over the top for like good acting. Well, it's kind of like how in com- like if you scream it, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Like my mother's just a bag of tits, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go. Oh, and now look at oh, Jesus oh my god. Oh my god. That's all you oh, gotta you do. You need to put that in your stand up uh, comedy routine. Oh, you can be a catchphrase comic there. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I, look, I didn't. I, I don't know. I, it just came to me. You can't put tits in the back. Mom's a bag of tits. This has got to be in the tape. Okay, the, I got it. Okay, I got it. Okay, okay, I, I got to stop. Just don't say it again. Just don't say it. Just don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. I... I know, I know, I know. Uh, I just sometimes they come to me. You uh, know, sometimes like it just I sit down and it's uh, like I got a I got a joke. It wasn't so much what you said, it was just the fact that you screamed it. Yeah. yeah it's like, oh, my, man. It's like my mom's just a bag I can't uh, scream it right now because uh, uh, yeah, my roommates are sleeping, but like my mom's You'll just derail a bag. the podcast further. Yeah. Yeah. Um Well, let's get it back on track. What do you say? What do you say? I think we got something lined up. Do we not? Yeah, we do. Um so so Obviously, I fucking live in Atlanta, so I'm very aware of everything that's going on. Um, Obviously, we are two aspiring clowns. 
Uh, that's essentially what we do. He, you know, Matt writes for Bro Bible. He's a comedy writer. I do stand-up comedy and hardly get paid for it. So there's a reason why we chose not to really talk about any of the protests that have been going on. It's not our place. It's pretty unsolicited. I think people can kind of come to their own conclusions. Um, but what I did want to do with this episode is a uh, dear friend of the podcast, Shelby Friedman, was actually part of a protest about four years ago called Standing Rock that I think some people should be familiar with. I mean, I would hope it was pretty big. You know, back in my day, it was pretty big. Um, so I want to bring her on, get the definition of like what's a good protest, what, what, what it was like for her, and just focus on something that, you know, the country also had to overcome at some point. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Shelby Friedman. And here I am with Shelby Friedman. Shelby, what's going on? So ready. For this interview? For this interview, I yeah. I would hope been so. waiting for it all day. It's just you and me. You know, honestly, the first three hours of the day when you promised we would have this interview. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I was, I was me and Me and Matt had to cook up some podcast magic, and I do hate myself for saying cooking up podcast magic. Uh, Matt, Matt is not here. Matt's not in this interview. It's just you and me. Um, no pressure. I've noticed. I miss him. Yeah, well, for legal reasons, he couldn't be here today. Okay. That's um, fine. It is very contractual, and it, to be honest, I don't. I still don't fully understand it. It's a lot of legal jargon. <laughs> I'm putting the interns up to it. Um, but you have me. We can do this. We got an interview, and this is going to be a great interview. A very important one, yeah. I think it's very important. Th- this is uh, in light of everything that's going on in Atlanta, worldwide, Minneapolis. You know, a lot of protests. Very heated issue. Not don't really want to talk about that today, not because it's not important, not because that it should not be talked about, but mostly because, as you'll hear later in this interview, the importance of talking about issues that you are directly a part of or hearing from like primary sources and trying to stop misinformation. So it's very difficult to do that with something that's unfolding live, something that's happening right now. So what I'd like to do is talk about an experience you had four years ago at Standing Rock. Because mm-hmm. you were there. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's what, four years ago now? Yeah, yeah. Four years ago in November. Wow. That's crazy. Because um, I, I remember that's like you and me had just like met. We weren't even dating. Didn't even know you. I remember I like gave you some money. I remember you like saying. I didn't even ask for money. I asked for supplies. I, I know. Well, I didn't have supplies, and I just was <laughs> you like... You gave me like three whole dollars, and I was like, I guess I'll I use gave this for you, gas. I gave you everything that was in my wallet. Oh, God. You weren't supposed to get into the specifics. Everything helps. I can helps. only recount my own experiences, Tyler. Uh, actually, okay. It is an important point when it comes to protesting and when it comes to not allowing misinformation to spread is using your own experiences to tell the truth. So the truth is, you only gave me three dollars to go to Standing Rock. I was asking I mean, for donations I f- I, for two weeks. I I feel like I feel like <laughs> the truth. I feel like you know you don't. It's not cherry picking the truth. I just feel like certain facts are more important than others. I don't know if the three dollars is the most important <laughs> fact. I think the generosity 
You were the only person. Let's let's twist the statistic this way. Tyler was the only person out of a school of sixty thousand that <laughs> that donated anything. Well, to be towards fair, Standing Rock, you didn't ask everyone. I did. I actually tried to get it on nightly news. I tried to get it in Orlando Weekly. I was asking for donations for about two weeks. And at the time, it just wasn't enough of a hot button issue. I went kind of um, before the bigger implosion. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get any coverage outside of you, you kind hearted soul. Oh, now, now it sounds nice. Mm -hmm. All right. Standing Rock is four years old. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, I don't want to say like forgotten, but obviously there's a lot of facts that have kind of dampered away with time i think people do need a bit of a recap on what what was standing rock and why was it uh well standing rock was a protest against the north dakota access pipeline that at the time was in the process of being built now is built uh to prevent the spill of oil into the missouri river already has happened um and the real issue was that the pipeline was being built above the Sioux Reservation in North Dakota, and um, they didn't really have the consent of the Native people living there because there was actually an option for the pipeline to be built in Bismarck, the capital of North Dakota, and, you know, the city kind of declined, and instead they decided to build the pipeline right above the Cannonball River that turns into the Missouri River, you know, it kind of opens up into it. But it, that is like one of the only sources of water that the Sioux Reservation has access to. And so to build a pipeline right above it with the water flowing downstream meant that if there was ever to have a spill occur, like I said, already did, um, it would, it would um, harm the quality of the water of the people on the reservation and it became you know less of a legality issue because of course the pipeline was legally allowed to be built but it was more of a humanitarian issue and i mean native americans i'm sure i don't have to remind anyone um have definitely been through a lot as part of the american people so it just spoke to me so i went and you went there for a month right mm-hmm uh what when did you first get there like when did you head up uh i went early november and i um i left um shortly after thanksgiving i had a friend who needed to get back to south florida um to go to court for a uh a case a uh misdemeanor misdemeanor Medical marijuana charge. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, there's a lot of things being thrown at you. You don't need, like, obviously, y your answers don't have to be, like, lightning fast. This is the thing with, like, topics like this, uh, especially when they're very heated issues, uh, issues that have multiple sides to them. I, I think there's always this, like, pressure that, like, oh, if you don't have an answer or the right words to say, even though you were talking about a misdemeanor and not particularly standing rock at that moment. But I, I don't want you to feel like there's like any pressure on you to have things, you know, have the right answer or the right thing to say right away. It's no biggie. I get it. Oh, <laughs> I can see you're like beating yourself up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I just want to preface the interview by saying that I'm only going to speak from personal experience because I think it's very important to have the first person recount of what happened. Um, and that is the easiest way for me to, you know, allow other people to figure out what's true, or what's not um, on their own accord as well. So 
if it sounds a little clunky, it's because it's coming through my eyes and I am no expert on the fact. I just, I just experienced it myself. So, well, that's what you were told while you're there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're making space for a group that you aren't necessarily a part of, I think it's really important. And it was prefaced to me as really important that, um, to only speak from personal experience. And if you have the chance to allow people who are directly affected by the issue that's going on, um, to, to, to have them speak, then to always make space for them to speak as well. Um, because that's just what it is to be a good ally. So the elders told me, and I mean, obviously not just me, but you know, the people that were protesting that, um, if we were going to leave the reservation and speak about Standing Rock to only speak from personal experience so that we did not spread misinformation. And so that's what I'm here to do. I hope we do it. I want to do it. Uh, So Standing Rock, obviously, I mean, I I know I'm sure so many people listening to this, a lot of the significance of it is gone. But at one point... I disagree. I'm glad you disagree. (laughs) I, I, I... very happy to disagree. I don't think it should be disparate. I think it's one of those things where it's like issues move so quickly, especially in the United States and like news cycles that to people it's like, oh, that's in the rearview mirror. That's over. But that this is not the case. I mean, even four years later, there are still repercussions being faced and it's still being brought up. And there's still even people that don't fully have the facts of it. I mean, or even just know what side they're really on. And especially when it comes to, um, you know, what's happening in today's socio-political climate, it's it's really helpful to look back on um, things that had been done in the past and the way that they shook up because those types of experiences can pave way to the future and you can learn from your mistakes and or like replicate something that worked. So, I mean, I think it's wonderful that you want to talk about Standing Rock four years afterwards. I think um, I thought I was the only one who still talked about it, to be honest. Well, today, I think a lot of people are going to talk about it. I hope. I mean, I would hope this builds a dialogue. But, all right, let's get, let's get into the weeds of this. Let's get into the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's start a little bit more specific. What was your experience at Standing Rock like? Oh, well, my experience was beautiful. I mean, Standing Rock was one of those rare opportunities where you could see people coming together for a cause that they all believed in, and you could see the greater good being crafted right in front of you. You know, you got onto the reservation and everyone was very welcoming. It didn't matter if you were staying for a weekend or if you were staying long-term to help with the protest. It didn't matter if you wanted to be on the front lines or behind the scenes. Everyone was welcome and um, everyone was invited to take part in in the protest. No matter what contribution you could make, um, you know, their, their arms were open. And I think something really beautiful about Standing Rock that I don't know if I'll ever recapture in um, today's society is is really just the ability to see what is right and wrong just right in front of you. I think the most beautiful thing about Standing Rock was, you know, we were defending the water. We were defending something that is sacred and we were defending something for a people who have already had so much taken from them um, that it was just so clear that being there felt right. And, you know, in a, there are so many different things that you can do throughout your day and so many different ways to choose to live your life. And um, at Standing Rock, the stars were aligned. Everything was in sync. The, the, The protest was for a cause just so much bigger than yourself. And I've honestly been trying to recapture that feeling of, of oneness, um, 
for a really long time. I mean, it's there's, there's very few times in your life where things can be so binary as to say, like, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And I am the hero and that is the enemy. And especially in more complex issues, um, I just don't think those circumstances are are ever really brought together in such in such a perfect way. So Standing Rock, Standing Rock was one of those places where, you know, we were building schools and then we would go and we would protest peacefully in the streets. And, you know, a successful day was when no one got arrested and no mace was ever shot into the crowd and, and nothing terrible happened. And we came back to big camp and, you know, we heard we heard the songs and we slept in yurts and we went to bed when the sun went down and we woke up when the sun rose and we did it all over again and we were fighting for something that was bigger than ourselves and it was one of the best things I've ever experienced in my life and you know it's 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 harsh to say that something so tragic as you know someone's rights being taken away or like the a, humer- a humanitarian issue where like an entire nation has to come together um, is the only time that you can find like what I would say was like a, a true form of a communistic society where, you know, you weren't obligated to do anything, but everything just felt so right. Like those circumstances, those conditions to be put together, like it's it's awful that it was to protest something as awful as as oil being spilt into a water supply. But and there's something beautiful to be said in all tragedy. So it was a beautiful time to be there. Beautiful time to be alive. I, I, I wouldn't even say like it's really not like communistic or anything like that. I, I think like. No, not communism. Commune. Uh, <laughs> I was, yeah. For a second there, I was like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it? No, no. Like a commune. Like oh, people were cooking in the kitchen and people were going to the protesting the pipeline and people were building buildings and people were organizing donations. And OK, I'm, so, I'm like, commune. I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think the oneness is necessarily that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, I could. I All don't know. I anything. meant was if you didn't, if you weren't an action person, if you didn't want to go stand on the front lines like I did, then there was always something you could be doing to help. Is was I mean, really the beautiful part. It, it could that could be communism. I don't want to touch on that issue. <laughs> <laughs> I meant a commune. Commune, of course. Yeah. Yes. I, I what I was gonna get at uh, was, do, do you think your experiences like this happens a lot with? Um, uh, members of our military, uh, they, they almost, you know, they don't know how to, they, they miss, they, they always talk about like there's a one, like there's a goal, like there's just a thing that's directly in front of you when you're in the military and, and you have this bond with the people you're around and it's so hard to go back to what, what people would define as normal society, normal American society. That's oh, why a lot, so hard. that's why a lot of them reenlist. They get, it's not so much like uh, obsessed, but they, it's like hard to even like comprehend like, oh, this is how people when live day to day. When you can see your enemy on the other side of a line and you know what's right or wrong in your heart in that moment, going back to the frivolity, the frivolity, frivolity. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the frivolity. I just got commune and communism fucked up. Okay. So well, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't. G- going back to the frivolous things people do on their daily, on, with their daily lives, like going to the grocery store or like uh, putting, turning in an assignment, like it feels so 
empty. I mean, everything felt empty for months after I got back from Standing Rock. Nothing had as much potency and as much meaning as standing for something you truly believe in and knowing that you're in the right. I mean, it's a hard feeling to replicate. I mean, I'm sure people that argue about iPhones and Androids probably get some... I hope not. Yeah, no, not even remotely close. <laughs> like I, I know that is so weird to think about that you spent a month there and you're, you're seeing such real shit. Uh, That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, Eloquently spoken, Ty. I know. I, I, I feel like I could have... I can... I'll talk about it later. Continue. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, I can I can shed some light on that real shit that went down. Because, I mean, when you want me to talk about an overview of what Standing Rock was like, I mean, it was perfect. It was, it was society at, at its best. It was people coming together and loving and, and being peaceful. I mean, no drugs, no weapons. Nothing was allowed on the reservation. Everyone had a place. There was food in abundance. There was clothes in abundance. But, I mean, that's not why we were there that's just the way i want it to be remembered i mean if you want to talk about all of the awful things that happened at standing rock people were maced and there were rubber bullets and the water cannons didn't come out until after the ground froze over and there were drones coming into the campsite at night to spy on us with infrared technology and there were uh, cops that were trying to infiltrate our protests and 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 get our caravans to be separated just so they can like cut us off and arrest whoever was in the was in line to come with us for a peaceful protest. I mean, there was a lot of awful things that the oppressors did to us, and that's kind of like the shit <laughs> that you're saying went down, right? Like yeah, that's that's yeah, exactly I don't, I don't, I don't, what happened. Yeah, I I don't want to broad brush anything because yeah. we're very early on in this interview, and I I guess. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I ever broad brush anything, if any term seems a little too general, because I, I understand the importance of highlighting both the good and the bad. Oh, it's necessary. Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm glad you did, because you're right. I mean, there's a lot of beauty in having allies around you and having people unify and just have this, even if it's for the briefest of moments, have this kind of refuge of human spirit versus something that was heavy. I mean, that's why that's why this interview is probably not going to be even a little bit funny because it's such a serious topic. But it's a topic that we're afforded to put under a microscope now that we've had time and distance. Some time has passed, yeah. Yeah, because four years ago, I mean, I remember... I mean, it was... People would tell me um, that I was trying to act like Standing Rock was some sort of, like, military service. Um, and oh that boy. I was, yeah, yeah. And that I was talking about it like we were actually going to war and, you know, at the time it was so, um, it was so silly to see, to see anyone try to oppose the good that was going down there. But of course, onlookers will have something to say about everything. Well, that's why, I mean, that's why I really want to do this today or rather tonight at this moment, but. Cause there's some space between what happened then and what happened now. It's cemented yeah. into the ground a little bit more. It's yeah. a little easier to talk about in hindsight. Yes. And also the fact that like you were there, like, I don't know. There's a thing that's happening right now that I even noticed with the protest, but even every protest that I've been, I guess, adult enough to digest is that misinformation. It's just like, and people are just so fucking casual about it. It's just like, you know, they just shoot off a tweet and they just negate people that are like actually a part of it. Uh, and they don't hear anything out. And then they just look at, you know, the fringes of things because like 
You can fight about the fringes all day. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, and there were headlines that painted the protests. Uh, Of course. I mean, there were people saying that, you know, rainbow rainbow children infiltrated the camps and like weekend warriors were undermining everything we were doing. And, you know, what's funny is, I mean, those are things that happened. You know, there was there was hippies and they would come and they would only stay for a couple of days and they wouldn't actually protest. They would just set up camp and it would be like, um... It'd be like a vacation for them. We're like a lot of... Oh my God, that's so fucked. I know, but the thing is the way that they were greeted was no different than anyone else who was actually trying to make a difference because we weren't weren't interested in the fringes. We had the goal in sight. We knew what the root of the problem was and it didn't matter who was there to just pick off a new pair of winter boots for the weekend or like find a cool place to camp before they go over to Wyoming. Like that (sighs) didn't matter that we weren't going to let those little things get in the way of what was truly important why we all gathered there and i think that's true to be said for any protest you can go and pick off people who are doing wrong there were insurgents in the middle of of standing rock all the time trying to cause things and there were people that tried to undermine what we were doing and if you unify truly and you know what you stand for there's those things just fall on deaf ears. Those things just are not important. They, All of those people who fought for those reasons are not why we were there and what we were fighting for, and that wasn't our problem at all. I know. It has to be so frustrating to actually have been a part of something and just have someone go like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand the whole water supply thing, but... And then you got to listen to this but where it's like, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they fucking, I don't know, threw a rock through a windshield or something, and it's like... That's something that happened. I'm sure. Yeah, someone threw a rock at one of the... One of the um, what are they called? The giant shields that they have when they, they do the... The rioting gear? The riot gear, yeah. Someone threw a rock at the riot gear and immediately the protests, were, the protests were like, that's not why we're here. Put the rocks down. Like, we were not there for any sort of, of violence whatsoever. So, like, of course, these people spat up that weren't necessarily aligned with the cause. But, I mean, when you have that pure of intentions, you just go full steam ahead. Well, did you notice the fringes? Like, did you notice yes. other groups trying to infiltrate for their benefit or was it just for... You can always tell when someone comes up to you and they start leading questions, you know? You can always tell when some older person comes in, they're like, hey, everybody, so these protests, when are we going to pull out the guns? Like, what? Was it ever that, that's, like, ham-fisted? No, there, there was never a time where someone just straight up came Well, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a little I, I would hope they dressed it up more. No, you know? but, th- yeah, I mean, there were plenty of people who were, I mean without sounding too militarized, there were double agents in the reservation that were getting intel for people in places that we didn't want intel to be leaked into. I mean, we tried to organize pop-up protests in a way where the police could not um, cut off our route because a lot of the time that's what they were trying to do. They're trying to cut off the caravan and arrest as many protesters as possible. So we tried to keep our locations for the protests on the daily, like very, very secretive. So of course, for you to be able to kind of get in the know on where the next protest was going to be, I mean, in light of how many people were coming for a couple of days, how many people might have been working for someone else, like you had to kind of build a relationship before you had access to that kind of information. So yes, there was plenty of insurgents trying to trying to weasel the, their way into the inner workings of, of what happened, but 
That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it feels so unrealistic, doesn't it? It feels so silly to say that someone, you know, snuck their way onto a peaceful and open reservation trying to like milk information out of people um, and trying to spread misinformation and trying to cause civil unrest amongst people who are so peaceful. But that's exactly what happened. I mean, there were people, like I said, someone threw a rock, they got kicked out of the reservation. Like we weren't there for violence. We weren't there for weaponry or drugs or, or I mean, we were peacefully congregating on a daily basis. And where we decided to congregate, that was top secret. Usually Bismarck. <laughs> yeah. Well, not top <laughs> secret anymore, but top no. secret back then. Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. That's, I mean, that's just nuts. How do you, I mean, how are you even... How do you handle that emotionally, like mentally, just knowing that there's people that are like prying information from you? Well, it's the same way you feel when there's a drone watching you while you sleep. I mean, can you hear the drones? Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah. They had a little red laser come and you oh, could see no. it in the fires that we had. Because, um, I mean, there was always campfires around, right? Like it was very and you could just see like from the smoke, you'd like, what is that? And you'd look over, there's a drone. Like there's a drone watching you with infrared lasers trying to kind of figure out how many people were congregating on the reservation. Like you could hear them while you sleep. And yeah, they, they constantly tried to, to pull information off the reservation. But you know, what's funny is if they just actually came to support the cause, eventually they would have figured it all out anyways. Oh boy. What, what, was, the, uh, what was the treatment of protesters generally? Uh, we were very hated by the population of Bismarck. I mean, as far as they could tell, we were just disrupting their roads and we were just, you know, shutting down buildings. When the protests happened, there were a lot of local entities that would shut down as a result just in case things got kind of... Um, things escalated, right? So there were major... Major roads were shut down. There were... Um, public buildings that shut down i know that when i was oh, when i was arrested um the person i was sharing a cell with was uh pacing back and forth very frantically she was very upset she was like because of those fucking protesters my boyfriend can't come to visit me today and i was just like i'm not going to tell you what i'm here for oh no um so yeah i mean the general treatment was that there was something wrong with what we were doing meanwhile we are just holding space i mean we would go to like the post office or we would go to you know the the local local government building and we would be with a megaphone holding hands no one's doing anything particularly disruptive but of course the police would shut down the roads and it was because of the protests so because of the protests we're obviously the ones to blame and you know normal normal riot gear um weaponry was out and about every single time we went into town you know as far as the people of bismarck were concerned every time these people walked into the city a tank would follow multiple police officers would follow. There were sirens everywhere and things got shut down. Of course they thought we were the enemy, but we were just trying to talk. Oh man. That's so God, they're a little like microcosm. They're just like, God, they got a fucking protest today. Of course. And, and it's, it's so funny because when you look at the cycle of things happening, you know, who's reacting to what and what is the cause you can point to any person in any place in the circle and try to, point blame right it was like well if you weren't here then the cops wouldn't be here and it's like well if 
we didn't have to protest, then there wouldn't be a tank here and a sound cannon. So, I mean, in one in one way, you're right. Like, we are the ones, we are the reason that the military is here, but also, like, their presence is completely unnecessary in this peaceful protest. So you can look at them and ask in the exact same way that you're looking at us and asking why we're here, why the heck they're here. And, you know, where people choose to stop in that cycle and figure out where they decide to point blame just shows more of who they are than who we are. I mean, we were peaceful. Facts are facts. Did nothing wrong. Wow. That's. Oh, boy. So did anyone like you guys other than the actual tribe? I mean, it sounds like so Bismarck didn't like you. No. Police didn't like you. The police, the local police, at least, they didn't necessarily dislike us. I mean, you know, as binary of a situation as it is, as easy it is, as easy as it is to say we're the good guys, those are the bad guys. Sometimes the bad guys are just puppets for the bigger bad guys. Because I would talk to local officers and they would want me to hold space you know they would say like i understand what you're doing we're not going to do anything i mean there were multiple times where the protesters would just ask the the police officers to take their masks down right because they have these giant masks that conceal their identity conceal their eyes and we would sit there in a peaceful protest and be like we're not going to hurt you take your mask off and a lot of them would and a lot of them would look us in the eyes and look at us as people and hear what we had to say and let us hold space and a lot of times we had a beautifully peaceful protest where no one got arrested and we would go back to big camp and we would be happy and we would be proud. Oh, man, that's, oh, God, that's crazy. So, so some of these cops... Some of these cops were merely working for the double holiday pay. Yeah, I mean, that's... And the overtime oh, I know that they got for standing in front of us with riot gear. I know, isn't that what's crazy? I mean, a lot of people don't even know, like, just the economics of, like... How's a cop going to turn that down? Especially, I mean, I can't even blame them. You can't even blame a police officer if they're like, oh, I really want to get my daughter this gift for Christmas. And like, this is really what's going to ha- This is what's going to do it. You know, it was November in North Dakota. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to turn down the money. Of OK, that's not true. I would turn down the money. But that's because I can see the issue point blank. And, you know, I can I have the liberty. I have the ability to turn down that kind of money for someone who might be in a different economic situation. Maybe they had to take the job. Maybe they had to point the rubber bullets. At oh, us. yeah. Well, it's very hard. I mean, that's what makes the issue <laughs> so divisive because it's so hard because it's like I, I really wish, you know, it could be Star Wars and we knew, you know, Darth Vader. Good guys versus bad guys. Yeah, Easy as that. we got to take out the Death Star. But, but it's, it's so much more complex. Even in a perfect protesting situation where there was no violence and our message was clear and we had a clear call to action from beginning to end. Everyone knew exactly what we call, wanted. The call to action was to stop the pipeline. Yes. Stop it being built. Easy peasy. This there wasn't enough environmental reports. There wasn't enough, you know, uh, talking about what was actually going to be going to be done. There, they didn't have a, a chance to um, negate it, debate it, talk about it at all. And they wanted that space, so we talked about it. We would go and protest and talk about it, and we'd say like, "This is so not right." I mean, water is life, and they've got one source of water, and you're trying to build over it you're trying to build something that causes seizures if well, it gets not, into your water supply yeah and it's different growing it's not, tumors and getting cancer and you're just building that yeah like <laughs> i mean it's not even just building something over it because it's like that almost you know like if they're building a bridge it would have been like all right the, the but they're building a pipeline 
And you know, contrary to popular belief, oil, uh, not very great. Crude. Yeah. No. Very crude. Oh my God. Awful for water. Yeah. Um, there was actually a very popular whistleblower that was at our protests that was advocating for it that had something very similar happen um, where he was working on a pipeline uh, over in Michigan and, um, you know, he became a whistleblower because he just saw what it was doing to the people of, of the county. You know, like they would say, hey, it's safe to drink the water. And then there were signs. Oh, this documentary is so good. But there are si- there were signs where like, oh, if you're if the fish has like black in its gills don't worry that's just residue it's safe to drink and it's like it's not because it's causing epilepsy it's causing tumors it's causing cancer people Uh. people's kids are 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 having their senses messed with and people are going blind and just because a pipeline spill happened and a company didn't want to pay for the proper cleanup and they would just throw sod over it and you would stick your hand two feet into the dirt and come out with crude oil and you were like, this is not safe. And for that to already happen, for, for it to already be known that that's what happens when oil spills into a water supply, to do it to Native American people who've already been through so much on a reservation where there's not even streetlights. Well, I, you know, it's crazy. I mean, like, fuck uh, Flint. I mean, Flint, Michigan, I, I, I don't even know. Is it still like you can light their water on fire? Mm, I don't know if Elon Musk solved that problem. Or I, I, I I remember Elon <laughs> Musk was actually involved in that. But like, just look at Flint, Michigan, and how difficult it is just to get that problem fixed for people that are a part of the United States. But technically sovereign. Well, no, no, Flint, Michigan. Oh yes. Is yeah. Thank you for fast checking me, just in case, though. Uh, th- th- <laughs> no, those... Michigan's a part of the United <laughs> States. Well, I don't know. It could break off into Canada at any point. I mean, if the, one more asked me, like, oh, here, if this is Michigan on their hand, they're, like, pointing things out on their... I fucking... They're, like, they're weird people. But I guess, yeah, technically they are part of the United States. Um, but they, they're, like, there's actual videos and all that. They're very well represented. I mean, they technically have people in the Senate. And, I mean, imagine just being a sovereign nation. I mean, like, they never would have been heard. It, not it, without national news coverage. That's yeah, why I mean, people not, congregated. That's not why I went there. without all that attention. Yeah, exactly. And still, I mean, if there's something to be said about protesting, we did it all right and we still didn't win. I mean, the so, pipeline was built and there was a spill. I mean, not even four years later could they promise that there wouldn't be a spill. There was one. Right into the Cannonball River, right where we were protesting. It happened. So, so, I, I, I mean, Standing Rock, I guess, technically, as a protest, did it not work? It was completely peaceful. It got national attention. Um, it gave space to people that hadn't been heard in a really long time. In all of those regards, Standing Rock was a complete success. But as far as, oh, oh, this hurts to think about. There was a day where we had all gotten news that the pipeline would be halted. You know, it came right from the top. It came right from the POTUS at the time. It was very important. It was a huge day on big camp. Oh my God, everyone was rejoicing. It was like, it was like we had won the Civil War. Like all, everything came to a halt. People were packing up and going home. We won and we didn't, we didn't. It was, it was told to us and I'm only speaking from personal experience. It was, 
it was told to us and then not even two weeks later the pipeline construction um resumed and um a lot of people did go home i mean so was it like a like a, a strategy yeah i mean from my perspective we had veterans that were going to come to the reservation they were on their way it was right after thanksgiving um you know there was still snow everywhere but they were on their way and you know we had some people that were like anti um anti our protest protesters whenever we would hold space in bismarck and what you know what they always said you know their um their go-to was like you are undermining our troops you know they're here for freedom and you're and and you guys are somehow disrespecting them and so we had news that we were going to have thousands of veterans come to um show solidarity and come in support of the pipeline and right as that like final unifying force was coming to the reservation to really just show everybody whether you're right wing left wing all for big military big government we're all for not um we we all stood together on this this was like a nationally unifying issue and these people showing up was going to change everything and show the whole world like we all stand in solidarity with this issue and right as news spread that all these veterans were going to come to the reservation news spread that it was over and the pipeline was shut down and then those people never showed up because as far as they were concerned um we won and then we didn't and it resumed and i'm not trying to make it political this is just from my experience but it seems very well timed because almost immediately afterwards the government tried to claim that we no longer had a building permit right on the reservation. I don't understand the legalities. Don't even get me started on native sovereignty and their ability to build on their own yeah, land. Yeah. But we had to tear down the schools that we had built. We had to tear down the yurts that we have built. We had to tear down all, um, all of the things that had, that had been built for Standing Rock almost immediately afterwards because a permit expired. And that's kind of where everything spiraled and, um, fell apart i mean that's where that's where the solidarity kind of crumbled is a little right after thanksgiving um i mean two weeks after i left there was nothing to go back to because i mean i was planning on coming back after i dropped my friend off um and that he made it huh, he made it like two hours before his court date which was great. Oh my God, um, you guys. And I was planning on just turning around and going right back to North Dakota. Um, but there was nothing to come back to that easily. It just was completely dissolved. Whether or not you think that's, you know, a political move, whether or not you can place blame on somebody for that, that you'll have to do your own research on. But it was heartbreaking. So in all regards to your initial question, whether or not we were successful, we were successful in a lot of different things, including, you know, a way to protest that could gain national attention, but whether or not it actually made a difference, I mean, there's spilt oil in the Cannonball River right now. And they are still, they being um, the Standing Rock case, 
is is currently going on four years later and recently as of like may 20th of 2020 um they were finally granted a huge win um for the standing rock legal team they were granted a right to show that environmental report on how the oil was going to impact their water source because before that i guess they they just weren't even It wasn't even it wasn't even something people asked about. Hey, how's this going to affect the Sioux Reservation? We don't know. We don't really care, uh, I guess, because now four years later, they're finally going to um, go to court over it. And they have their environmental report waiting and the hearing is not yet to be set. May 20th, 2020. So whether or not the peaceful protest was uh, successful will, I guess, depend on the Supreme Court when it comes down to that. Uh, That's just. It's a lot. It's a lot done. With that being said, whether or not a different action could have been taken is is complete theoreticals. I mean, whether or not protesting in different forms works better than others, com- completely theoretical. I mean, all I know is pipeline was still built, people's trust was betrayed, and a lot of people were taught something really important. But I think the most important thing was that you can be heard and you can make space for other people to be heard. And I think that actually Standing Rock was a giant, um, was kind of like the rock in the ripple, you know? The rippling effects of Standing Rock allowed more protests to take place um, than I think were ever like truly brought to the attention of the news to that scale. And, And I mean, since Standing Rock, protesting has been a beautiful right that people have been exercising well okay this actually what would you define a good protest as i'm a firm believer that a protest needs to have a call to action or else it's just over glorified complaining now nothing to be said about glorifying and complaining you are allowed as an american citizen to complain about the terrible things that happen to you as much as you want But unless you have a solution, unless you have something that you want to be changed, unless you can point to the exact bill or the exact clause or the exact thing that you are trying to get rid of, there's not as much that people can do for you. Like if if you protest and they say, okay, you win, what do you want? What are you gonna say? And if you don't have anything to say, then why were you protesting? And it's hard. It's hard because some of these things are so unquantifiable. They're so hard to grasp, you know, like as a humanitarian issue, you know, our number one chant was water is life. But the hard part about that is if the pipeline wasn't built there, it had to be built elsewhere. And and if the pipeline wasn't coming through American soil, it would come through some other country's soil and maybe a country that didn't have as strict labor laws and maybe children would be at risk. And, you know, we have an entire war that's happening over oil all the time for however long that people. And it's just we weren't we had we had this overarching goal, right? Water is life. This was the most important mantra of the protest. But I think we had to, um, we had to really get to the root of what we were trying to accomplish, which was these people's water supply is endangered. These people have space to talk about this and how it's going to affect them. And these people don't want 
this to be built over their plot of land. And you have to get that specific. You have to get that yeah. specific with your protest because if not, it's just this this thing that maybe should happen by a society as a whole. Like theoretically, we should just get away from oil as a resource, as 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 a fuel type, right? That would be us truly honoring what it means to, to say water is life. We wouldn't have all these pipelines currently being built throughout America. Like that's what it truly stands for. Water is life, Miniwakoni. That's what it means. But in that moment, in that protest, we were talking about the Sioux Reservation, the Native Americans living on this reservation and how they would specifically be affected by this pipeline being built. Because otherwise, what are we what are we debating for? Renewable resources and energy, renewable energy sources that could be 20, 30 years in the future. Like, of course, that's what we wanted. That's what everyone wants, any positive like environmentalist. But we had to be specific. If you're not yeah. specific, what are you going to get done? And I think the most important thing for a protest is to be specific, to know exactly what you want to change or else they say, yes, you win. And then what? Okay, we win. Let's go home well. now. Well, yeah. Thank you for coming on. This is, I'm, I'm glad, no, seriously, I'm, I'm glad we could uh, kind of unpack something that I know means a lot to you. I know it means a lot to plenty of people uh, i think there's still a lot of people that probably are sitting there going like standing what and like that's the sad part and i, I hope that maybe some people uh, can walk away from this knowing more about uh protesting as a language um understand what makes a good protest um and just understand kind of conflicted issues uh that can be really hard to explain as simple binary things I don't think many people can replicate what happened at Standing Rock. But to say that they could is to is to provide a huge injustice to a more complex issue of American society. So don't hold the purity test to Standing Rock. I'm glad you made it back. Thank you. I love you. I love you. It's great to have you. We're going to have some links on here. This has been really beautiful. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for coming on. It really means a lot. Uh, all right, guys. This has been Shelby Page. Friedman. Really? <laughs> really? Just immediately. We had so much energy going into the <laughs> outro. and well, I'm pretty sure you called me Shelby Friedman in the beginning. Oh, I did call you Shelby Friedman. I don't. I whatever mean, my name is. Whatever your name is. You're Shelby. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And that was Shelby Friedman. That was, I'm glad I could get her back on. Yeah, thanks, Shelby. Oh, hold on. Someone's phone is ringing. Sorry. Wow. Uh, Unprofessional, right? Great interview and just immediately fucking blow you, you, you it. Don't have phone those ringing in the background. You don't have those Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle bags where you put the phone. Oh, the, the like, That's what I need to do. The special Ziploc bags that I guess radio frequencies can't uh, get into or escape from. I... Uh, I wish we had that kind of power where it's like, because I feel like even if we did like a live podcast of time at, we just don't have that celebrity to be like, yeah, you have to give up your phones to see me. No. You have to be Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock. I was going to say, that. there's 
there aren't many that have that. Like Louis C.K. can get away with it. Uh, yeah, Dave Chappelle and Chris not Rock. anymore. I think that's a three. You don't think so? Oh, well, I think yeah. Louis C.K. is off the list. You think he's off? Probably. Yeah, I think Chappelle. For sure. And you know what's funny, Chappelle. Because the reason you would you would take the phones is so material you're working on doesn't go out, right? You know, before you're ready for it to go out. Yeah. Um, Chappelle is the guy that like, maybe it's probably just because he's so good. It seems like he could just do a new set every night. Well, I mean, that's pretty, I mean, the thing with Dave Chappelle that he does is he'll actually do a show, like he'll do his normal show, his normal hour. And then as people are leaving, he'll stop them and ask them to come back in. And he's like, no, 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 I have some stuff I want to work on. And he'll apparently just go for like pretty much hours. Wow. There is a great, if, if people listening, if you like Chappelle, which if you like this show, you probably do. Um, not to, not to say we're like Chappelle, but I feel like that's the general crossover, right? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, you like funny. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a great video of Dave Chappelle. There's a, a couple of them at the Laugh Factory. They're older. Um, I think it's like right when he started to come back, like early on in that trajectory. And, uh, dude, it's it, 100% just him riffing. He's, like, got a beer in his hand the whole time, and it's hilarious. Yeah, no, I mean, he's literally the best at just talking, and he's that perfect example in comedy where, and this is so inside baseball that I'm going here, but there's that rule where if, like, you can't be funny, at least be interesting. Mm-hmm. And I rarely have seen a Dave Chappelle clip where even if I'm not laughing, I'm just I'm still kind of leaning. You want to hear it. You want to hear what the fuck he's saying and why he's saying it. Yeah. Well, well, he's established the track record that if he's saying something, it it, it will be one of those two things. Like I, I, another one I feel like is kind of in that uh, space now is Bill Burr. Like yeah, anytime Burr. he says something, y- you want to hear it because, you know, it's going to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's well, he, like, he purposely digs holes for himself. He loves doing that. Oh yeah, he starts with the crowd hating him, and then he like likes to work his way back up. The the that charity thing that Comedy Central did is uh, a, hilarity is like, for charity. I forget. It might have been that where he he, he makes a joke about uh, Michelle Obama saying she needs to be quiet because it's like you're, we want to hear from your husband. He's the he's the guy. <laughs> And then people are like, oh, come on now. Come on. You can't be saying that. And he's like, listen, would you call a plumber and have him working? And then his wife would be there, too. And she'd be like, you know, I think you should do that. He's like, he would drive you insane. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so funny because it was a big audience, you know, a charity thing. So that kind of joke about Michelle Obama, that kind of statement was going to make the crowd turn. And it did. Oh, 100%. But he brought him back. It was crazy, like just how good he is at doing that. I mean, I think that's that's such an interesting thing because I think in like the darkest things and like the human spirit, it's still so easy to find the humor in it. And it's so incredible. People have gotten to a point where like they just know how to play it like an instrument where it's like, no, 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 we'll go to a very uncomfortable place and we're all going to you might hate me for a second, but then ultimately we're, we're all going to laugh about it. Yeah. We don't have to see eye to eye. We can disagree this whole time, and yeah. we're still gonna have a great time. <laughs> I like. I think that's why so many people become like nerds of comedy, 
is just because of just that thing where it's like to me it's like it's like a weird bit of like magic it's almost yeah. like watch me make you hate me and then also i'm gonna make you love me as well i, I was gonna say it, it it's funny you would say magic that was exactly what i was thinking where you you watch it and you're like you're trying to figure out how they're doing this like how did how did they do you're trying to guess like dissecting the the way they you know what words they use was it the words themselves was it how they said it was it body like what was the only it difference that, between like comedy and magic is i don't think any like frat guy or dad watches magic and goes oh i could do that yeah no but every i swear to god every single almost uh, without fail every single white dude i think i've talked to in his mid-30s has confided to me that he's like I just, I really think I could do stand up. And I, I love that you're doing it. I respect it. I yeah. know it takes so much bravery. I hate when they say bravery. Like, oh man, I know. Fucking. Yeah. Give it up for the state. Give it up for the comics. Yeah, exactly. Keeping this country afloat. Yeah, keeping everyone I, safe with my jokes. I, I, I don't like, now, I, I don't get defensive. Like, I, I did stand up a few times. Um, but what always goes through me when people are like oh yeah people always told me my, the people at work told me I should do stand up I'm always cracking them up yeah it's like I'm the funniest the guy same, in the office not the same thing no, at not all not even a little bit no um, they, they never get it until it's they I think I've talked about it on the show it's so it always had they always pick like weird at least in Atlanta they always pick like the hardest mics to start with where it's like the room sucks first mm-hmm. off and just be prepared, like, the likelihood of you succeeding here is already low, even if you're kind of good at this. Yeah. And you're not going to be kind of good. You're going to be bad. And it, they always do that same thing where it's, like, the first joke, a lot of confidence. And then as soon as it doesn't get a laugh, it kind of, like, sounds like they got hit in the stomach a little bit. Like, they're breathing. Yes. <sighs> I've been there. Dude, I think we've talked about it. The first time – not. you were saying, you know, sometimes the room sucks. That's one of many variables that will be out of the first-time comics control. Yeah, there are so many other things. You can't control how the show is going. You can't control who the host is. You can't control how late the show is. Because I know the first time I did stand up, the show was the room was packed. There were people. Sit, you probably you were there. I think there were people sitting on the stage at Austin's Coffee oh, behind Austin's the comics. Coffee, Winter Park, Austin, Florida. That's right. Uh, the host was doing well. And, and, you know, at just keeping everything high. The comics were were doing all right. I went up and I had a really good set. Yeah, like it was amazing for my first time. Um, in fact, it scared me because I came back and then just ate a plate of shit the next week. Totally, yeah, because yeah, that here, happened so much. Hundred percent. Here are the here were the mistakes I made. Tried to do all new material. Big mistake. <laughs> I went on at midnight. The show started at nine. I cu- I couldn't control that. The room was about empty, and the people that were there had now watched three hours of amateur comedy. Right, as someone doing their second mic. I had none of the skills. Now, 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 take out of the equation the fact that the material was probably not great. I remember there were many Chia Pet jokes. Take that out of the equation. <laughs> and I still did not have the tools needed to make that work. And yeah, that, no, that is very... where the, the guys that are like, oh, yeah, I'm hilarious in the office. That's the part they don't understand. Like, Actually, I think I think we have a, a clip of that. Can we play? you mind if I play a clip of your stand-up? Oh, I'd be insulted if you didn't. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> no, I like what you did there, though. Um, yeah, no, stand up is uh, 
a fucking bitch. I, I love, <laughs> I always say, I love the trajectory of the show right now. Hey, if you want to learn about protesting comedy or getting to space, it's Ty and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> comedy tips from a guy who does it and a guy who did it a couple times. And uh, yeah. Yeah, space. That's what, yeah, that's what they want from this show. They want, they want that roller coaster. It's like space goofiness, serious talk of protesting. And then goofiness, but you still learn during the goofiness. Like that's what we do. Bit. You still learn a little bit. You know, that's. I, I, let me make it clear for anyone that's listening to this, and I know I make stand up sound so hard, and like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should. I want to make it one hundred percent clear. Please don't fucking do it. Just please <laughs> don't even stop thinking about. Get a real hobby. If I could, if I can put it nicely, get a life. Like if what you're thinking about is stand up comedy, that's not a life. It's not. A, it's not even really an existence. It's a fucking punishment. And please don't do it. And don't don't tell me about it. I I hate that. Don't like if you're gonna do it, just do it. But don't like also do that thing where like you're thinking about doing it and you just have to talk to strangers about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that. about it. Yeah. I'm one of these days. I'm going up there. I'm going out. It's just got to be the right time. When people hear you do comedy, do they do they ever like say you know like I got a joke for you or yeah. like uh, something yeah. happens and they're like hey I better not hear that and you're and you stand up skit yeah what are you <laughs> that's what are your stand-up skits yeah oh, i loved your skit up there yeah oh, that hurts. word I, I, that used to drive me nuts this is inside baseball but when we when we were doing tonight's night uh the the legendary collegiate comedy show tonight's night university tonight's of central florida please don't look it up i would hate anytime someone would refer to anything we did as a skit it would drive me insane like well it's like, like a mom calling your playstation nintendo yes it's, it's like, exactly what it's like <laughs> stop I, I would always be like Listen. shut up mom my friends are over <laughs> yeah dude it's so tough you sound like a dork if you try to correct them but it, it, i was always like a skit is what children do like in front of their class like yeah. your teacher makes you I know, do it's it so subtly patronizing. You know, yes. Oh, you're doing one of your comedy skits one of your skits yeah no 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 uh, sketch oh my god that's like your grandma oh you do one of your skits on the phone oh his little skit was so clever <laughs> oh my goodness he's always making us laugh you know when he was little he used to run around in his diaper and he would he would do little dances he was so silly he was so talented he was such a talented performer oh and he's so handsome too <laughs> no one pumps your tires like like your your grandparents. No. <laughs> oh, and he's so smart. I'm surprised he's not working at NASA, graduating from Harvard, and working on Wall Street all at the same time. Uh, yeah. Wow. He could really <laughs> split my atom. I don't know why Grandma got like kind of sexual that there did for sound a second. Hot. <laughs> yeah, like wow, you could split my atom. Yeah. I like that's such a weird. <laughs> I wonder if that's ever been. Take used. one, you have to be really smart and really sexy to split a woman's atom. Yeah. Yeah. And, Think and about accurate. that one. And accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Can, can we get your grandmother on the show or my grandmother? Probably. I just want, like, we don't even do an interview. It's just 30 minutes of her, like, oh, you're both so handsome. You're so you, you are so, so handsome. Does your grandma talk? Mine, neither one I have talks like that. No, I don't yeah, know that, why I'm doing that. That's that's well. The you did it, and now I, I know. Oh, I just I do this voice all the time. It makes me crack up. I don't know why. I just do it alone in a room. It's <laughs> like kind of like a sad. Long Island grandmother. It's, it's Staten Island time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But close enough. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I don't even. That's what I call Long Island. I call it Wrong Island. It's uh, me and Muriel. We crack ourselves up. Oh my god! I didn't. Why are you so talented? <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, I have no skills. You you literally can do. We've in this one podcast you have done. Richard Jewell working at NASA. I didn't even know, I, dude. I didn't. I, I didn't even know. That's how good you are. You did Richard Jewell working at NASA. Uh, Igor. Oh yeah, da, da. I'm pretty sure that's German, but who's gonna fact check? I mean, what no fucking one. Putin is gonna write it? East Fuck German. You, I, Putin. That, that counts, doesn't? It? Yeah, that's close enough. Um, and then and then. Oh, Grandma! Yeah, Staten yeah. Island Grandma. Staten Island I, Island. I love this. I love Thanks, this podcast. Man. I think I we've, do too. I think we've accomplished a lot today. We have. We ran the I gamut. Think, I think we've talked about good things. We talked about going to space. We did. And we figured out protesting yeah. and comedy. All. I mean, I think everything we talked about was good. Some were tough to talk about, but they're important conversations, and I'm glad we're having them. I think everyone should have them. I'm glad I had it with you, Matt. I'm glad I had it with you too, Ty. I want to have more conversations with you. Oh, man. We're going to have so many more conversations. Oh, I love talking to you. Oh, man. See you later.